Before we were so rudely interrupted, things were going so well. Since my last podcast, football has disappeared, come back and roared on further than I realised. Having left each other hanging in match day three, we are now on match day 19 and the league is starting to take shape. In this returning episode of Japan Soccer Weekly, I'll look back at all the results from the weekend, quickly mention a win for J3's bottom club, and it's all eyes on Yuki Nagasato. All that and more to be discussed on this week's Japan Soccer Weekly. Okay, now that corona thing is a thing of the past and everything is fine and well in the world, football is back and there are no issues to worry about. Yeah, not quite, but regardless of the current situation that's ongoing and ever-changing, football in Japan has been silently impressive, slowly increasing numbers now up to 50% of the stadiums and trying to bring fans back to the games. I've been at two games this weekend over in Ehime Prefecture. The standard checks on the ticket gates now are actually becoming quite reassuring. Each game I've been to this month, so four different teams so far, I've had a small group of people at the entrances who will check your temperature, ensure you have your mask on, see that you scan your own ticket, wash your hands and then kindly remind you about social distancing too. It's quickly becoming the norm. Uh, Indeed, even the seats in the stadiums I went to were all marked with tape to indicate where you could sit and to easily identify if anyone was sitting in the wrong place. Even more remarkably, or perhaps not so considering it's Japan after all, I didn't see a single instance of anyone ignoring these procedures. Even uh, couples who went to the games together or families, the obvious exception being small children, everyone was sitting where they were and obeying the regulations in place. So there is hope for the J-League season after all, and no team will be more happy about that than Kawasaki Frontale. Free-scoring Kawasaki netted just a single goal this time, but that was all that was required in their victory away at struggling Shonan Belmare. This takes Kawasaki to seven consecutive victories and maintains their impressive lead at the top of the table, just above Sorezzo Osaka. Speaking of Osaka... They still kept the fight going this weekend with a last gasp victory over Vidalta Sendai. So Sendai had actually been up 2-1 during the second half and would be kicking themselves for not at least taking a point from this match. However, there was nothing they could really do to stop Hiroshi Kiyotake's wonderful 91st minute solo heroics. Having started the second half strongly with a well-executed counter-attack in the 46th minute, they were pinned back by an equaliser from Nishimura on the 57th. Shortly after this, Sendai were again thankful to Nishimura as he put them ahead with a goal from the spot. What followed, however, was sustained pressure and pressing from Sorezzo as they looked to rebound quickly. And eventually they got there in the 81st minute with Jonjic, uh, where he appeared to have salvaged a point for them rising above the crowd to head in from a corner. And at this point, I think perhaps both teams would have settled for a point each, but it wasn't to be. After coming on as a substitute, Kiyotake, who also provided the assist for that earlier goal, darted down the left flank before cutting back onto his right foot and unleashing a curling strike from the edge of the box that soared into the top right corner. It's a fantastic finish that you can actually see online on YouTube. All the highlights are free. 
and it was a finish that ensured that Osaka took all three points away with them and stayed within touching distance, if 11 points can be called touching distance, off the top spot. Following on from their disappointing 2-0 loss to FC Tokyo midweek, this strike could ultimately prove to be a big moment in Cerezo's season. Elsewhere then in the league, an upset in the game between 3rd place FC Tokyo and bottom half Sagantosu saw FC Tokyo go 3-0 down at the Ekimai Real Estate Stadium. A much needed victory for Tosu with goals from Ishii, Morishita and Uchida ending their run of 3 defeats in a row. Now, with the next game so many times this season, Kashima have come through games victorious with a one goal margin, seemingly always just grinding out these battles and knowing how to win, knowing how to fight until the final whistle. This time, however, they unexpectedly suffered a 2-0 home loss to Oita Trinita, who put on an impressive away performance. This is probably a game that ruined several betting sheets. Uh, It also ruined any hopes Kashima had of a perfect 100% record through the month of September. Both strikers for Trinita on the score sheet here and both scoring from very similar spots on the pitch also. A really good overall performance by them. Two big titans of the game then and well-known teams, Gamba Osaka and Sanfreeze Hiroshima. They uh, had a good day for the visitors to the city of Hiroshima here as Gamba Osaka sealed an away victory with two quick-fire goals in the first half. Pulling a goal back in the 70th minute ensured Hiroshima made things a little uncomfortable for their visitors, but it wasn't enough to wrestle a point from the fixture. And Hiroshima now kind of find themselves firmly nestled in mid-table, one of those positions where you're not really fighting to reach the top and you're comfortably away from the bottom. Last year's champions, they had to come from behind before clutching their victory this week. They left it late as well, equalising in the 76th minute before an own goal in the 82nd and finally sealing a victory with a third in the 92nd minute. There were a lot of late goals this week. Uh, The Marinos came out like a completely different team in the second half. Watching the highlights back of this game, I was surprised to see Ominami's own goal described as a howler. I didn't think that was really fair. In truth, he didn't have much choice as he slid in to prevent the ball from going across the box. Unfortunately, directing it goalwards past his own onrushing keeper. Again, he got criticised here for a howler of an own goal. That's anything but. There's so many... This own goal could happen to any defender. Uh, most surprising about it, actually, though, was Nakagawa, Terohito Nakagawa, the number 23 striker, so he was rushing goal. F- uh, he was rushing forward, and he was actually the reason why the slide happened in the first place because he was just beyond the defender, and he was still on his feet. He was with the ball, and he could have easily tapped it into the net. You know, it was his run that forced the error in the first place, and for whatever reason, he just left it, and he allowed the own goal to stand rather than claiming it easily for himself. I mean, I mean, might not be forgetting that act for quite a while, and it's a little bit confusing as to why that happened. Perhaps thinking he was offside, I'm not sure. Uh, not to be outdone, Yokohama's neighbours also collected three points of the weekend. Yokohama FC beating Urawa Reds. Two goals to nil. 
Yusuke Matsuo putting in a man of the match performance and giving Yokohama FC something to be really excited about is a young player and definitely one to watch. It wasn't actually just his brace of goals, but rather the way he went about the pitch during the match that was something fans will be sure to admire. Continuing through the games then at a nice quick pace. Uh, last two games of the weekend, a 3-1 victory for Nagoya Grampus here as they made easy work of Shimizu Espulse. Didn't take long to get off the mark with Hiroyuki Abe curling in a beautiful strike in off the post after just 79 seconds. A real shock to the system there for Espulse. It actually could have been a high scoring game if it wasn't for some goalkeeping heroics and a bit of help from the woodwork occasionally too. Naoki Maeda eventually did increase the lead just before half time. He looked miles offside at first. I was waiting for the flag to go up, but replay showed he timed his run to perfection before rounding the keeper and with an open net in front of him, absolutely blasted it from all of about one yard out. Uh, I talk about making sure it goes over the line. I remember doing that in school a lot. If you just got nobody in front of you, you've rounded the keeper. It's one of those, you either blast it, or to annoy everyone, you get on the floor and try to head it across the line. Thankfully, he didn't do that. And finally, Captain Maruyama finished off a great day for Nagoya with a beautiful header. Falling away from the shot, he managed to somehow get as much power on it as he did, and it rocketed through the bodies and into the net. Really nice sound on this one you can hear without the noise of the crowd in the background. A late consolation goal was there, though as Shimizu pushed to make things awkward for the home side, but never really achieved that in the end. So lastly, new manager Atsuhiro Miura, Vissel Kobe took to the field at home against Consodale Sapporo. Miura, a previous player for Kobe and in the Japanese national team also, he got off to a dream start. Kobe romped home to a 4-0 victory. They won't all be this straightforward for Miura, but it was as good a start as any manager can hope for. Of course, when you have someone like Iniesta pulling the strings in midfield, once again instrumental in controlling the flow of the match, it makes it makes things a little easier. All right, we've flew through those reports. So after the break, we'll have a little information on Japan's awesome Yuki Nagasato. So welcome back and to part two of this rather rushed return to Japan Soccer Weekly. Apologies, this will take a more slow paced and regular format eventually, but for now, life is still a bit chaotic with everything going on. One story that is perhaps a little late to report on now, uh, but I really want to touch on because it really does deserve some attention nonetheless, comes courtesy of Yuki Nagasato. Now Nagasato is an absolute tour de force in Japanese sport having made over 130 appearances for the national team. And she's also been to three World Cup tournaments, including an appearance in the 2011 World Cup, in which Japan ran out eventual winners against the USA in the final, I believe. Now, the reason why Nagasato is in the news lately is that she continues to break new ground here in Japan. Japan, for all of its wonder, still, to be honest, lags behind when it comes to their development of female sports. Uh, we're seeing this change now with the Women's League finally becoming an established league and more and more successful female athletes appearing on the main stage. Nagasato, however, after a long and successful career, 
will now play in the Kanagawa Prefectural League uh, for the men's team, Hayabusa 11 men's team. So the league itself isn't a top-tier league. Uh, it's one of about 50 prefectural leagues that are all over Japan. However, for Nagasato, who's actually originally from Kanagawa, I believe, to get approval for this is great and may pave the way for more to follow. And also hopefully up that, hopefully open up a debate about potentially having mixed teams, especially in these lower tiers. It'll be interesting to see how much game time she gets, and I hope we'll be able to see her succeed in this league. A few things to note about this is that the league this season is a slightly abbreviated version of itself, which should come as no surprise due to the corona pandemic. This does, however, allow Nagasato to train and play for the team on loan, uh, coming from her current club, which is the Chicago Red Stars. Um, that's due to the NWSL having their off-season at the moment. NWSL, yes. So, due to the current state of the league and issues surrounding Corona, we're actually seeing a lot of players in America leaving that women's league, either permanently or on loan basically in an effort to find game time somewhere and keep fitness levels high. So it's expected that Nagasato will be joining the Kanagawa League for the foreseeable future, at least until the 2021 preseason back in America. So just to wish her luck in the games, and we want to try to keep a close eye on performances. Again, bear with me on that. There is very little coverage, uh, especially in English. So my... Comments on that are probably going to be a little rushed and potentially crappy Japanese translations, but I'll see what I can do. Okay, I did warn you this was going to be a pretty hashed together and rushed podcast this time. So that's actually going to do for any news and results. Uh, a quick two minute preview now to finish off the podcast, starting with this week's midweek games. So there's a full fixture list for the J2 League. Uh, with the game to watch being Tokushima Vortis against Nagasaki. This is for the race for promotion. It's very tight at the top, I believe first and second on the same points. And top place Tokushima will be desperate to ensure they take maximum points from their third placed rivals. As for J1, it will be Yokohama against Tosu, Vissel Kobe hosting Nagoya, a big game there. And Urawa Reds against FC Tokyo. Just before we wind this up though and before I go, I want to congratulate my local team Kamatomare Sanuki currently laying bottom of the J3 league and facing almost certain relegation. They looked down and out recently but somehow managed a remarkable 4-2 home victory at the weekend and this has brought them just one point away from Soresto Osaka's under 23 team. As the crowd in Kagawa would say, it's all for Sanuki, and here's hoping they can continue on this form into the weekend. So I'll be back, hopefully, regularly, once a week, uh, with these short podcasts, just giving you a quick review of the games, uh, maybe one or two highlights and interesting stories picked out from the news across the week. Um, so I'll try to be back next week and promise to keep these podcasts as consistent as I can. Once I get my equipment sorted and my schedule back on track, things will be a lot easier. In the meantime, though, let me know what you think. And if you want to hear about anything in particular, uh, what you want to know about the Japanese football, uh, do you just want reports or would you like stories as well? 
So Japanese football is still relatively unknown outside of Japan, and I'd love to provide you with some information and insights that will help with your enjoyment of the sport. You may have noticed I've just rocketed through this as well at a really high pace. If you prefer that and want a condensed podcast, you know, something between 10-20 minutes, that's what I'll aim to do. If you prefer longer, more detailed reports, again, get in touch and I'll see what I can do and we'll just amend it as we go along. So yeah, any email, any uh, comments at all or suggestions, please feel free to email me at japansoccerweekly at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts. So until the next podcast, have a good week. And remember, it's all for Sanuki. Thank you.